Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome, everybody, to the Hammer and Rails podcast. Back with you following a thrilling overtime, double overtime victory over Illinois. How with about you, them boilers? <laughs> See, I threw off the rhythm, and I was just—I was like, I know Casey's <laughs> going to jump in here somewhere. Uh, with you as always, I'm your host Andrew Ledman, and I'm Casey Bartley. And like I said, we're here to talk about that thrilling double overtime victory against Illinois that uh, occurred on Monday, and we're here to look ahead to the IU game that is going to be on January 20th. That is Thursday, 7 p.m. on FS1. So rather than uh, I actually rather than get right into the excitement of the Illinois game, I have a question inspired by uh, something uh, I found in my house today. So, Casey, you ready for this? Yeah. Is it the thing you were going to clear your throat with? No, it is not that. <laughs> okay. Not that at all. Uh, simil- well, we'll get into that later, maybe. <laughs> uh, so, what what is the strangest uh, or just kind of most off-ball piece of Purdue memorabilia that you have? Oh, I'm not a memorabilia. I'm not a memorabilia. Wow. Today's hard. Yeah. Memorabilia. But you don't have anything? You don't have anything um, strange? I'm trying to think if I have anything strange Purdue-related. <sighs> you know, I've moved like three times in the last three yeah, years. Yeah, that's true. That's so true. You, and and it, was, it was from Indiana to South Carolina. Right. So. so you clear out every time. And I never had a bunch of like Purdue swag to begin with. Uh, yeah, I don't think I have a satisfying answer. The only thing I have are like all, all right. these badges from Purdue games I've been to, which oh, are, those are cool. Those are they're cool, cool yeah. but they're not like strange. No. So the the reason that I ask this is so uh, I work from home. I'm I'm basically home mm-hmm. all day. Uh, so upstairs I have this old like CRT TV. Um, so it you know it's really giant, really heavy, and I I've got like all these old video game systems plugged into it. And okay. uh, follow me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so on on the TV, I've got a universal remote, and it is a Purdue universal remote. <laughs> okay. So 
I, it was made, I don't even know what company made this thing, but I remember, so I got it from when I worked in the Purdue uh, promotions department, they had just like a bunch of random items that they like would just put out sometimes and were like, does anybody want these? If not, we're going to throw them away. And there was this Purdue universal remote. It's basically, I mean, it is literally just a white universal remote, normal, you know, buttons, everything else. And then at the bottom, there's just a motion P in it. I like it. And it's just like, I don't know why this exists or who was selling these, but I have one now uh, and I use it upstairs. It's just, I, I remembered it was up there today because uh, my son was like trying to like play and mess around. And I was like, oh, I'll give him this remote with nothing in it uh, that can do no harm. And he looked at it and was like, no. And he just like threw it to the ground. <laughs> so I was like, man, no, it's a hard audience up here. But I, I appreciated that I still had that and it still works. So, well, I mean, okay, Casey didn't really have a great answer. Uh, I have this universal remote that for some reason is Purdue branded. I'm not sure. I remember them selling them in the bookstores. But like I said, I got mine for free from uh, when I worked in the athletic department. So uh, it's I, a fascinating little thing. What's that? Yeah, I've never I've never seen a universal Purdue remote. Do yeah, you have uh, cactus glasses? Yes, of course. I have cactus cups. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I've ever taken one home. Oh, my gosh. So since we're talking about this, I might as well tell you this story. So uh, <laughs> my wife, my wife's name is Jess. One of my best friends in college was also named Jess. Different person. So this story, while while involving someone named Jess, uh, is not about my wife. So um, I'm glad we were, you clarified for me. Yeah. Well, you know. Just in case she listens to this, I don't want her to be like, are you telling a story about someone else that's not me? Uh, you know, she's going to be like, that wasn't me. You're remembering someone else. How dare so, you. exactly. So her, uh, my friend Jess and I were like, we were cactus friends. We would go all the time on Thursdays. And she lived um, like just up the hill past Chauncey um, at one of those apartment complexes that it was far enough away that it was like a pain in the ass to walk after you left the cactus. Mm-hmm. But like. You were like, I'm you not going to drive. It. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, you did it. Yeah. So one night we were at the cactus, like as they closed and Jess was like, I was like, Hey, let's go. She's like, no, 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 no. Wait. And I mean, there were a few beverages obviously involved because we were there, you know, at three in the morning and she's like, no, 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 just wait, just wait. And I was like, oh, okay. No. So we, like we were hanging around just like no. talking to somebody she knew. And then like, you know, the lights come on in the cactus and they're like, all right, everybody out. And you're like, oh, this is weird. So she goes, okay, let's go. So she literally, her and I, and I, I can't like just throw her under the bus entirely. We just walked around yeah. and took like I knew, 10 cactus I knew where this was going. <laughs> and it was like, we were walking around and we're like, oh, I don't have this color. I don't have this color. And this was obviously much, much before COVID. Uh, so, you know, there were no worries about that. So we, I mean, we walked this, like, it was probably a mile and a half, two miles to her apartment, like with these just (laughs) mountains of cactus cups. Mm -hmm. I'm sure we just looked like complete morons. I'm sure some police officer probably saw us and was like, as long as they're not walking in the street, it's fine. Uh, and I think I probably still have some of those exact cups. Uh, it was quite the time. That's... Yeah, the, I'm the person that leaves it on the table or yeah, that doesn't throws me. it away on the way out. Yeah, there's yeah. no – first of all, I, I didn't go to Purdue, so it, it was not a regular thing in my life to go to the Cactus. So when I went, it was an occasion, and that occasion usually ended in um, a lot De- of drinking. Deba- yeah, Deba- a lot yeah. of drinking, and I didn't need to bring anything home with me in multiple ways. <laughs> Right. Yes, that's true. I'll tell you, uh, as a good Purdue alumnus and a former uh, cactus regular, we do use a cactus cup uh, to dump water on my son when he takes a bath. So there is, is something there Purdue is something baptism? that uh, I think so. And I know a lot of a lot of uh, 
people my age who have kids who use those as like a bath cup for their child. So uh, Bruce would be uh, proud of you. I'm sure he would be. <laughs> so before we get off this topic and look to the Illinois game, I have one question about the cactus for you. Uh, what was your go-to drink? Were you a beer guy there, or did you go with a mixed drink? Oh, God. So, weirdly enough, when I was, like, early 20s, which is the appropriate time to go there... Yeah, absolutely. It's the perfect time. I wasn't a drinker, which is shocking, considering how I turned out. But... (laughs) (laughs) So, I... I I don't think I even had a regular drink. I think I tried a lot of drinks there, because they were cheap and in a big thing, and I thought, oh... This is the way that I can have hard liquor, I guess. Right. So I, I remember, I know, like, diet and vodka was a thing for a while. Yeah. Not great. Um, I there was also, I, I know a lot of uh, uh, girls who I went to the cactus with would always order vodka, water, and lime. Yeah. And that was just atrocious sounding to me. I I had a little while where that was a drink, too. I mean, you gotta you got to watch those carbs. I and guess. These hips, they don't, they don't shake <laughs> themselves. Right. So... But there was definitely uh, rum and diet is like the easiest thing to get there. Yeah. I know you're on board for that because that's yes. that's your go-to anyway. But yeah, yeah, the rum, rum and coke was always my my go-to. Um, I and I know you're gonna as a former bartender and as someone who's uh you know has a a taste for the finer things in life. I'm sure you're going to yell at me. Oh, uh, no. But I, I, oh, no. <laughs> you already know where I'm going. Yeah. But I will say. I did get quite a handful of uh, Long Island iced teas. God, those cactus. What, a, what a garbage drink. What a garbage person. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, I'll go to bat for a Long Island iced tea any day of the week. I just, it's, it's, oh. it's a drink for when you want to get drunk and you're okay if it tastes kind of bad. Yeah, I, I've never tasted one. Well, then how do you – you can't form an opinion then. I can't. I've made like 90,000 of them. Yeah, They're... but you've never tasted it. You could yeah, like it. Yeah, because I watch what goes in there. There's Everything no way I like goes it. In there. Everything no. goes in there. All your clear liquors, and then, yeah, just, mm, no. Uh, that should not be consumed, especially in a cactus cup. Well, That's I'll say too this. Much, sir. I'll say this. It shouldn't be consumed maybe after a certain age. I'm much too old for a Long Island iced tea at this point in my life, I think. Oh, it would but, wreck you. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. But at 22 years old, when someone's like, you can have 32 ounces of this for, I think it was like a buck 75 for a Long Island versus a buck and a quarter for a rum and coke. Like, I mean, that's just basic math. I don't know how we didn't die. It's true. Right. So the the two other things I want to mention about the cactus, because I could just talk about the cactus all day. <laughs> uh, Should we bring Bruce on? <laughs> that would that would I be I could get Bruce on here if we want, um, if we want to talk to the piano band. So the the worst was when I would order a rum and coke because you know it's always like asses to elbows at the at the bar in the cactus. So you're just like scooting up there and it's my favorite uh, body part. I know elbows. I'm not. Mm. I well right. Uh, and I am not an attractive young college co-ed. Oh so come on. I I didn't always get the fastest service. Um, so <laughs> you know it happens. I get it. And when you would ask for a rum and coke and the, the bartender would bring it back to you, you'd like quickly turn around. But you, I would always take a drink immediately because I was like you could – you just would know obviously right away if they gave you a whiskey and coke. And it's just Ooh. like, nope, nope, not doing that. And I would just have to turn around and be like, buddy, this is whiskey. He's like, <laughs> oh. He's like, oh, you said rum. I was like, yes, it did. Like because that <laughs> if, oh, if, if you give Andrew Ledman a whiskey and coke, Andrew Ledman is going to end up vomiting. So – <laughs> that is that is a no good zone for me. That and explains then, a lot about your college. It does. It does. And then I might have even I you might even know this story and uh I'll tell it really quickly. So I was in in undergrad, decided I wanted to go to grad school at Purdue, 
blah, blah, blah. Long story short, found out I got funded, so I wasn't going to have to pay for my grad school. And it was like the greatest day. I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. This is incredible. It happened to be a Thursday. Uh, <laughs> we, my, my buddies and I were like, well, we're going to the cactus. So we go to the cactus. And my favorite liquor, and again, you can make fun of me for this. I don't really care. Uh, is Captain. Malibu? Is Malibu? Oh no, we yes. went. We were, I, I thought we were going to a bad place, but we went. Oh no, way off. Co- coconut rum is delicious, and I will hear no no slander of it. And it's not will... even like it's not the girliness of it. I just think it tastes like suntan lotion. And I get I'm that. not a coconut person. I can't yeah. get that. That's fine. <laughs> I like it. I could see people. I could see how you could say that. For me, it's delicious. You throw that in like a Coke Zero. One of the best drinks in the world. So nothing so, else, just Malibu and Coke. Well, I mean, I'll put it in pretty much. I'll put it in anything. I mean, but like but, that's just not much alcohol content. No, no, like yeah, you have to drink I mean, a lot, dude. I am thirty-six years old. I'm not like trying to get like hammered every time I Were have you a drink. Thirty-six year old in the story? No, no. But see, here it is. <laughs> so, so this is like even even in college, I was like, this is my favorite drink. But I was a poor college student, mm-hmm. so I would buy like you know bottom shelf rum and like. Smirnoff as the vodka, you know, these just, everybody does it. It's what you do. So I I go to the cactus and I'm like, I, you know, you pay, always pay in cash at the cactus because it's just easier. And I I asked the guy at the bar, I was like, all right, can I get a uh, Malibu and Coke? And he's like, yeah, sure. And he takes my cup, starts to turn around and he goes, he like stops (laughs) and he he turns around and looks at me and he goes, did you say Malibu and Coke? And I said, yep. And he goes, you know, it's going to be like nine bucks, right? And I was like, I was like. I don't I'm, care. I'm funded. <laughs> I was like, I was like, bring it on. Do what you need to do. Just bring it. I said, I'll pay. And I was like, I I, th- I remember just tipping very well to that guy because he was like, he wanted to make sure. And I was like, that was very nice of him. Here's a few extra for you. But I was like, that was, I was on cloud nine, top of the world. I was like, don't care what it costs. This is what I'm drinking. It was great. <laughs> and paid off now. How many did you have that night? Oh, I would say three. All Malibu? I, I believe. Uh, probably, yeah. Big rolling. Yeah. Yeah, three cactus cups was the limit of if anything. If I got beyond that, it was like that was a, just a terrible idea. Yeah, that's. Do we know the ounces on the cactus cups? I believe they're thirty-two. Okay, that would be my guess. So yeah, yeah, that's pretty. It's not as crazy as you think because you're holding up this you know giant looking plastic mug and it's really just like two and a half drinks. But yeah, college kids, it's yeah, it's more than it, it is. It is amazing we all survived to this point. So that is enough reminiscing about the cactus. Let's talk about this thrilling victory uh, Purdue had at Illinois, which at Illinois is kind of key here because that's going to be a really good victory for Purdue come NCAA tournament seeding time. Um, It was, of course, double overtime, final score 96 to 88. Um, Star of the game, I think, has got to be Zach Eady. I mean, he played out of his mind. But uh, Casey, am I wrong in that? You have somebody else in mind or, or is he the clear choice? I mean, clear choice. Uh, Sasha Stavanovich was pretty damn good. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, the other option. The degree of difficulty in those shots that he made, all of them in the second half, pretty much. Uh, we've been waiting for him to go off. You know, I, I, I think I mentioned that last podcast. It feels like you we're did. due. And we were due. And he went 5A from three. All those in the second half or overtime. A lot of those were either way on the move or way behind the three-point line. And... He was terrific. 22 points uh, on what? 22 points on 11 shots. He missed yeah. four free throws. It, the free throws will knock him off. It was Edie. Because it was Edie's day because he went up against, you know, the bully in the Big Ten. Yeah. Last yeah, year's Coburn. best big man. And he made Kofi Coburn look underwhelming. And yeah, that's very hard to do. 
Yeah, just a terrible game. And I mean, Edie started out. I mean, Purdue seemed to have a plan going in. They were they're like, we are going to pound the ball down low. We're going to give it to Edie. We're going to make Coburn stop him. Uh, hoping, I, I think, you know, that they could get him in foul trouble, just like we talked about in the last pod. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, it worked. It worked exactly how they wanted it to. And uh, huge credit to Edie for going nine of fourteen against uh, Coburn, who, big like you said, baskets. the the premier. Uh, big man in the league last year and certainly one of the best uh, this year as well and yes big boy baskets I mean these were not these were not easy moves he's he's got Coburn on him like that for the majority of time riding him hard Um, of course Payne was in there uh, but he only played for seven minutes so that was a whole different situation but uh, I mean they held Coburn he only allowed he only played 22 minutes uh, wound up with 10 points but four of those came from the free throw line so 10 points on nine shots I mean it it was just incredible what they did held him to five rebounds Edie was yeah dominant he comes in and he is just this game record now and like you said, Illinois let him go one-on-one in an island. They trusted Coburn. You have to when you have that kind of big man inside. And it wasn't – it. the fouls were one thing, but, I, I mean, Edie didn't draw most of those fouls on Coburn. Uh, Ivy drew two of them on him. Yeah. Uh, I think another one was uh, on someone else. But it was that Edie could actually score. You know, he's not moving Coburn in the way that he normally moves guys because Coburn is huge. He's strong. He's nearly 300 pounds, seven foot. He is a wall. But Edie has advanced so much already in his postgame. Going to his left hand, that running from the right side of the paint, running little layup to the left side, unstoppable. And he's able to do that against one of the best post defenders in the country. This was a coming out party for Edie. 20 points. Didn't uh, He only went to the line twice. He worked yeah. hard for those points. Eight rebounds, including three on the offensive end. And he just looked bigger than Kofi quicker than Kofi and at, at this point what big man is better than Edie in the country one-on-one or whatever he is a problem and he finally got to set up like on stage starting against Coburn and he lived up to everything he hit that left-hander over Coburn from about eight foot out and I lost my mind <laughs> Just, yeah I, I mean it was undoubtedly his best game in his Purdue career, not only because of you know the stats that we just mentioned, but also because of who he did it against and where the game was. I mean, the game was in uh, a very hostile uh, State Farm Arena, formerly Assembly Hall, um, against an Illinois team that was ranked 17th in the country and against one of the best big men in the country. And before we go further, I want to say kudos to that Illinois crowd. I mean, they were great. Uh, they were involved. They were loud. Uh, And they really, I think, rattled Purdue a couple times and kind of willed Illinois to take that uh, lead in the first half when they went on that 10-0 run. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, at that point, I was really kind of scared of how the Purdue team would respond because when you're you're in a hostile arena and you kind of start losing things and, uh, you know – I'm sorry, you start the game starts getting away from you and all of a sudden you're down and that crowd just keeps getting louder and louder and building. It's easy to not respond. So uh, I was impressed with what Purdue did after that, which was, of course, that 17-0 run um, after the Illinois uh, 11-0 run. I'm sorry. Um, I mean, just the, the 17-2 amazing run to finish the half. Yeah, yeah. 17-2 to finish the half because I believe Coburn had two free throws or someone had two free throws at the end there. Um, but I mean, just an incredible way to finish the half. Yeah. You know, the reason that I am most optimistic about this team this year and why I continue to be 
is we see in pockets of these games. Salt against Villanova. Salt against North Carolina. Salt against NC State. We've seen it against the bad teams, and then we see it again against Illinois. We are so capable at going on these monster spurts. And it's not an accident, and it does... And it happens once, twice, three times a game. And it happens pretty much every game where we just go on these five-minute stretches where we are just banshees. And we are running the court. We're knocking down shots. We're finding our big men inside. And we are just scary good. And that's a real big effect of having Jaden Ivey on the team and then these big guys who are just great. So I am very optimistic that when we get to tournament time, these spurts are going to carry us. Uh, we've, We've responded well. Obviously, we have the two disappointing losses. In both those games, we kind of had spurts early and then fizzled out. So, But I encourage that this team has such highs in these, you know, basketball is a game of runs, and our runs are generally better than other teams. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, in, so what else stands out to me is, I mean, a, a couple things, but uh, Mason Gillis played 43 minutes. Uh, there were, of course, n- not the usual 40 in this game. There were 50 because of the two overtimes. Uh, but Gillis was out there more than anybody else on this team at 43 minutes, followed by Ivy with 42 and Stefanovic with 41. Um, so it's just kind of incredible to see how Gillis has gone from, you know, being on the bench to start due to that suspension to trying to find his way working back in to overtaking Caleb first, who only got three minutes. Um and, and just being so kind of important to how this team plays, grabbed four rebounds, one assist, did have two turnovers, so you don't love that. But, uh, I mean, he really was hustling out there. And you mentioned something in the group chat about this was a game um, where Mason Gillis probably had a pretty good opportunity just because of his build versus the right. uh, build of Illinois. Yeah, uh, he. I mean, he was able to bully his guy. And Illinois, you know, they have all those twitchy guards. They don't really have a second big man. None, none of their second big men play like big men. So this was definitely a Gillis game because he was going to be guarding out on the perimeter because they play four out. It made sense. When you switch Gillis onto a guard, you don't feel entirely like he's on an island out there with no hope. So this was a game that made sense for him. Uh, he played pretty well. You know, he's not afraid to muck it up. He's physical. You have to like those things. I still think there's going to be plenty of times where first is a better matchup on the quarter. We'll have his moments, but... Gills was definitely a solidifying force this game, even if his points don't really speak to that. But he was really good and playing 43 minutes in a big time game on the road. Like you got you have your coach's trust. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Painter obviously sees these guys more than we do, but he obviously has to love the effort Gillis has given and uh, to put so much trust in him when, you know, he started in kind of in Painter's doghouse, given what happened in the offseason. So that's huge for him. Um, you mentioned um, Sasha, and obviously we, we talked about it in the group chat again. A couple of people compared him to NCAA tournament Ryan Klein, and uh, that's just a sentence that I love to hear, and hopefully we get more of that. Um, I mean, he, he was just a dead eye in the second half in an overtime, wound up five of eight from three. So it, it was just a beautiful thing, and he was hitting tough shots, like you said. These were not just wide open, uh, no one guarding him because they lost him. You know, these were tough, contested shots, uh, falling to his right uh, on that one um, in the overtime. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it, it, he just looked incredible out there. Yeah, and that's what we need, and that's what we've not had from him enough. The, the reason why we say that about Klein is in the biggest game, 
in the biggest moments with the toughest shots, he knocked them down. Hopefully Sasha's career ends similar where he has those moments. And this is one of the first ones that really stick to your mind. He's hit game winners. You know, he's hit some shots late, but he hasn't dominated a game late like that, especially on the road before. So we've seen his maturation. We've seen the way that his game has improved and that he does other stuff. That he gets to the line. Didn't make him today, but you know, nine free throw attempts from Stavanovic. Yes, please. Yeah. Two assists, yeah. eight rebounds. I thought he was really good on the defensive boards late in the game. When other players were tired, he went after a couple balls that were 50 50 at best, and he went and got them. And he's doing things like that. And like we talk about him 22 points on the road. He's maybe our fourth best player. Like th- these are. This is why Purdue has the ceiling it does. This is why we can go into Illinois and win games like this. Because we've gotten this far, we haven't even really mentioned Ivy's game yet. Or Trey Williams, who wasn't good. No, no. And I mean, Ivy was not good in one sense. I mean, he took 10 shots. only. Well, hold on. In one sense. He took 10 shots, only made three of them. His saving grace was, obviously, he got fouled about 300 times. Mm -hmm. uh, Went to the free throw line 15 times, made 13 of them. So uh, he did miss, you know, a big one. Uh, at the end of at the end of regulation, so you, you don't love that. Um, Purdue was up four with 35 seconds left in the second half. Wound up obviously going into overtime. Um, there were there was an opportunity to extend the lead, but uh, Ivy missed a free throw there. And it actually, I mean, it happened again in overtime. Um, Purdue missed a free throw at the end of the first overtime. So while you know we've talked about free throws this entire podcast, you know throughout the the basketball season, it seems like this was one that almost came back to bite Purdue in the ass. Yeah, um, Sasha missed quite a few late. Obviously, the front end of a one and one that late in the game, a couple free throws missed where we could have extended it another possession. Those are killers, and you gotta just find whatever resolve inside of you to. Calm down enough, but stay focused and, you know, just find your fundamentals. Trust your stroke. It's hard. It's hard when your whole body and mind are all super focused on this one thing and you know how much it means. And it's such a finesse shot. So it's tough. Hopefully we start draining those, get the right people to the line. But overall, we still shot 26 at 32 from the free throw line. So yeah, yeah. It's still pretty good. Good game. Couple moments where it would have been a lot, a lot nicer to have them go in. Yeah, I there were a couple things that I, I scratched my head on, and I wonder if you did the same thing. So at the end of the first half, um, Purdue had the ball with just a few seconds left. And for some reason, neither Jaden Ivey nor Zach Eady touched the ball. Both were on the court. Neither of them got a touch of the ball. I thought that was strange. Um, and I also wondered why, given that uh, Trevion Williams did not have his best game, uh, 6 of 18 from the floor, uh, I wondered why we saw so much of Trevion in the first overtime and so little Edie. Uh, that was surprising to me. I The Trey thing, I think, is simply that even if he's not on, even if he's not playing well, even if he's not playing better than Edie, in tough situations like that, and we saw this come to bear with some of his assists, Purdue is tougher to guard because you don't know where the ball is going to end up. If Edie's in there and we're trying to get in the post, you know it's going to be in the post. Usually ends up well, and... Like, I was screaming as it was happening, I want Edie in there. But Trey offers you a little bit more of a release valve, and then we saw him, you know, find Gillis for that big layup, find Wheeler for two layups. Wait, um, Wheeler? Hunter, sorry. There we go. <laughs> I don't know why those two are just imprinted in my brain together. But found Hunter for two layups. And I think it's just a matter of he's a senior, and he's more comfortable with the ball in his hand. 
and it doesn't a possession doesn't necessarily have to end up with him, even though he was forcing a lot in this Illinois game and yeah. missing shots that you just don't see him miss. It was very, very strange. Yeah, it was um, uncharacteristic for him. I mean, he also had four turnovers, which is not something you see a lot. Um, he he kind of made some passes that were uh, to quote a former Purdue uh, recruit and then oh, a performer Purdue player, I guess uh, a little too much sauce yeah. on those passes. And, uh, you know, the, uh, Purdue team wasn't really ready for him, but you know, that's, that's going to happen. Um, I think there's at least one more thing I want to talk about. And that was, uh, Payne's little cheap shot on, uh, Sasha Stefanovic, uh, in the second half, I think it was in the second half. Right. And, uh, the fact that I don't really know if Sasha was like John Adam or what set him off, but there is no way you can call that any sort of basketball move. The ball was on the other half of the court. Uh, Payne just goes ahead and throws kind of an elbow and extends his arms at, at Sasha's neck. And if you'll recall, this guy has done this before because he's a transfer from Florida, uh, laid out a guy from Tennessee. Uh, I, I can't remember if it was 2019 or, or Whatever it was, I mean, basically knocked the guy out because he he hit him with an elbow and then as he turned around, hit him again as he turned around. So this guy seems to have a little history of of cheap shots, and uh, I don't love that. So I was glad to see him only only be able to get seven minutes. Do you know what shouldn't happen? If you throw a blatant cheap shot and a teammate of the person who got cheap shotted comes up to defend that teammate, they probably shouldn't get a tech. Oh, I agree 100%. That was ridiculous. And, and you should, like, so technically in that play, he got a flagrant foul and a technical. Right. And the only thing that happens is two free throws in the ball. Yeah. And obviously it was a double tech, so those cancel, whatever. But, yeah, it, a team shouldn't get a technical for reacting for you giving a cheap shot on a guy. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, Trevion is just defending his guy. Right. Um, I mean, because Sasha took it, you know, the shove, whatever it was, and then kind of just turned around and got back on on defense and then trevion was like oh no 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 and kind of jumped in and got in Payne's face and i'm glad he did that because that shows this team is ready to fight and they're not going to be put down and and cowed by a little push a little cheap shot uh they're ready to go to war for each other and i love that yeah at the time i didn't realize that this was the same guy from the florida game wish i would have known because that makes it even more blatant like that's what he does yeah he gets frustrated and he goes for people's heads and we don't have room for that. No, no. I mean, you you know, you can hate a player as much as the next guy. You can be frustrated in your situation, but you got to understand you're going after people's heads. You're going after people's livelihoods, even if they're not going to be playing ball in the future. Uh, you know, that's their brain. Their brain is uh, pretty important for anything they do. So um, just that that kind of stuff is just cheap. And this was in 2021, by the way. So this was last year. Uh, so Omar Payne, I have no love for you. Um, we'll hopefully, uh, see you again in Mackey. And I have a feeling the paint crew, uh, will be giving him some, uh, some business when they come back to Mackey. Yeah. Uh, talking about this game, I have one question for you. Yeah. What surprised you most about Edie's game and his effectiveness? Honestly, I mean, just the fact that he did it against Coburn because we faced a lot of teams, you know, so far this year that are very good. Uh, but I don't think any team has someone like Coburn that he's faced. I mean, Coburn, like you said, seven foot, 200 and 200, what, 80-some pounds. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he is a big, big, strong man. Uh, so to see Edie go up against him and be so successful and so efficient, uh, 9 of 14, was 
was just phenomenal to me. And he got two blocks, um, which, you know, he's not the best defender um, on the team or in the country, but he's really improved. And to see him have those numbers was just uh, kind of astounding to me. He just looked so locked in. He looked more locked in than I've ever seen him. Yeah, I I am shocked that he was able to challenge Coburn so much and consistently while only picking up two fouls. Yeah, that's a good point. His defense and just... I think he felt comfortable playing someone that big finally. Like, he didn't have right. to be sheepish with him. Yeah, yeah. Because elbows mean, weren't not... just in his face. Exactly, exactly what I was going to say. So, like, yeah, it was just marvelous to watch him play and just his footwork is outstanding and just able to be a menace and just shut Coburn down without lunging, getting out of the position, or drawing fouls. And what is really the first time Edie's been challenged like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cause I mean, not every, not every team is going to have a guy who can even match up with him physically. And Coburn not only has the height, granted it's four inches difference, but still, um, you know, seven foot is still seven foot. Uh, and then again, you know, Coburn's in the two eighties, two nineties. He, he's a, he is a, a well-built dude. So it's, it's hard to go up against a guy like that. And Edie just did phenomenal. So, uh, I think for me, final shout out's got to go to Eric Hunter Jr. Uh, mm-hmm. 31 minutes, 31 minutes, three of four made his only three and was a perfect four of four from the line. So this is what we need. And this is what we want from Eric Hunter jr. Um, especially when uh, Thompson again had, had a game where he was only one for four from three only played 19 minutes, uh, recorded no assists, uh, wound up with three points. So this is what we need from Hunter. If, uh, if one of these two guys is going to be the point guard to lead this Purdue team, you think Hunter will start on Thursday? I think it's looking likely. I mean, Hunter's had two good games in a row, and Thompson has had two very bad games. So uh, I would think if if a switch is going to be made, now is going to be the time. Yeah, I feel it. And it'd be nice to see, like, did Hunter figure something out that he can be effective cutting to the hoop? You know, he's a pretty good finisher around there when he has some space. So working off of Trey, being able to get those two easy buckets in double overtime, that's huge. So. Hopefully this is the start of him getting his mojo back because we've both been kind of confused by what we've been seeing from someone who is a senior. He shouldn't be yeah shouldn't be falling off. He should be you know relishing this and really stepping into his own. And yeah, we finally saw that a little bit today. Yeah, well, yeah, today, I, Monday. Yeah, right. And I know he would love to have that one miss back because if I'm remembering correctly, it was a breakaway layup as time was expiring. Right. Or is that, some... that is correct. Okay. Yeah. And. and <laughs> He, he just blew by some people uh, and then just couldn't get it to, to finish at the hoop. So uh, you saw his face. They they showed him right after, and you could tell he was like, oh, man, I was so close. Uh, he'd love to have that one back just to go perfect four for four in the day. Um, but, Casey, any final thoughts about this Illinois game? Uh, do you think this is going to be, or at least for now, goes down as Purdue's best victory? It, on the road, I think Illinois is a good team, and I think they're going to finish probably close to the top ten. So, yeah. I don't think we have a better game on the schedule at this point. I, the Villanova one's going to be good. Uh, I think they are a top-tier opponent as well. But yeah, a true road game against a Big Ten opponent, yeah, that's that's a big-time win. Yeah, Bring on yeah. the Hoosiers. That's right. So speaking of bringing on the Hoosiers, we're going to take a break, come back, and look ahead to the game against the hated Hoosiers coming up on Thursday. And we are back. So as I said before the break, Purdue's next game coming up this Thursday, 7 p.m. <laughs> on FS1. 
going to uh, what used to be Assembly Hall. Now it's like Simon. Is it not Assembly Hall anymore? Well, it is. It's like the Simon Shot Center at Assembly Hall or something weird like that. Mm. I don't know. Uh, they mm. sold out for the money, so mm. uh, they 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 got rid of the uh, mm. simple, nice and clean assembly hall. So now they they wanted that money because the, well, the reason they needed the money is because all the coach buyouts, you know, those <laughs> yeah. things that those things add up. So uh, it, Purdue heading to Bloomington, never a fun place to play if you are a Purdue Boilermaker squad, and also never a fun place to watch a game. Uh, if you're a fan and you don't have the money for very good courtside tickets, because I have been to a game at Assembly Hall and oh my goodness, that top deck is a death trap. That you, thing is so steep. Media seats suck as well. Do they? I've not. I've not had the luxury. They do. Um, I don't believe there were fans last year, right? That's correct. So I was at the last three Purdue games at IU, covering all of them, all of them victories. Damn and that right. is just. It's the weirdest stadium. I, I, I wrote about it after, I think, I don't know if it was my first one, but it, it was the block charge game. Ah, uh, the large. Uh, between uh, Thomas Bryan and Caleb Swanigan. Yeah. And it I, that had to be the first time that I was there because it, it's this weird stadium where when you if you first walk in at those doors right at the entrance, it looks like a high school gymnasium. Yeah. And it's got this weird nostalgia to it, and you can't help just to be like, oh, wow. And then you look up and you're like, wow, those seats go to the sky. But if you go up there, the place is just complete garbage. Yeah. And anywhere you sit that literally isn't on those first, you know, high school seats at the bottom, just a train wreck. You're, you're sitting in the media and you're up and back. and Yeah, uh, where uh, where is the media seating? It's like right at where the split is. Uh, so you're like the furthest up of the bottom, the okay. bottom half. Okay. And you like have the ledge over you so yeah it's not great um yeah. just uh just not happy people like angry no. fan base oh yeah they're awful they're angry all the time they're just like ugh. it's just yeah it's just and a I gross mean, place and they're known for you know chanting racist things and homophobic things and sexist things at players um the last game so was that's the fuck good. you harms yes yeah they went after matt harms um they called his sister ugly or no that was haas haas they, Correct. Yeah, and it's like, what what are we doing here? Thank like, God the other is... news didn't break out before we had to get out. Well, yeah, jeez. <laughs> um, so, like, like I said, I've been there for a game once, went there with the paint crew. Um, I want to say it was like 2010. Um, but, I mean, we, Purdue won, so that was great. We got to walk out of there singing Hail Purdue and got a lot of F words yelled at us, and that was fun. But, uh, I mean, we were literally – Don't be uh, mad. Because... They they don't know words longer than four, <laughs> right, four yeah. letters. Yeah, so – um, we we had to buy a big block of tickets, and of course, when you're buying a big block of tickets uh, at Assembly Hall for a Purdue IU game that late in the game, you're probably going to get some crappy seats. We were literally in the very top row of the balcony. Oh gosh. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, they're literally as we were walking up, a girl was trying to get to her seat and like tripped and fell down no, like four rows. No. Like she she was absolutely fine, and she wasn't even drunk, but. Uh, it was just one of those things. It's like I don't know how more people do not fall on this thing. I mean, it it's is bad. 
it really is so steep. I mean, you have just and it's a terrible sight line too. I mean, if you're at a certain a certain row up there, you're missing one whole like uh, out of bounds line yeah. uh, for the court. So it's just it's not a good place to watch a game unless you can get really good seats. And it really makes you appreciate Mackey Arena and you know the circular structure of the interior, so that there's really uh, not a terrible seat in Mackey. It's the antithesis of Ohio State Stadium which is pretty nice and modern and everywhere is a pretty good seat. Only no one's there and no one cares. <laughs> so it's an awful game experience. IU, like at least it is an experience, but the actual place is just break it down and build a new one. Come on guys. Yeah. We deserve I mean, better. Well, but again, they don't, they don't really have the money because they're paying right. who knows how many coaches uh, right now. How many um, wins there in a row do we have to have before we can like take claim of the stadium? Uh, well, right now, Purdue actually has the longest winning streak of any team ever at Assembly Hall. Have you been reading some of the uh, the Twitters? Uh, I believe it was Habitual Boiler that came out with a bunch of fun facts about things that have been or not been oh, since yeah. the loss. <laughs> There's that... never been a TikTok about an Indiana team beating Purdue. Yeah. That's yeah, incredible. That just rem- I mean, just reminds me of the the meme that went around of there's never th- until, you know, this Sunday, there was never a text message sent about the Bengals winning a playoff game because text messaging was oh, not invented. Yeah. Uh, so let's yeah, I, I just pulled up ha- habitual boilers uh, Twitter feed. So let's see. <laughs> it's a good list. Yeah, uh, 1987, the last time they won a banner is closer to the Korean War than it is to the present day. True facts. So uh, R.I.P. Grandfather. Uh, I mean, it's just, okay, here we go. Things that didn't exist the last time IU basketball beat Purdue. AirPods, TikTok, Amazon's Alexa, the show Stranger Things, the movie Rogue One, Finding Dory. Finding (laughs) Dory! That level has been lost for a decade! (laughs) The world champion Chicago Cubs. Oh my god, that was forever ago. Broadway's Hamilton. No, Hamilton! (laughs) Princess Meghan Markle. I don't even know uh, who that is. Well, she's the I'm she's the princess who de- basically defected to America. Right. Uh, two-time Super Bowl champion. That Peyton blew Manning. my mind. Hasn't yeah. he been retired for like 18 years? Well, it sure feels that way. Uh, and then, of course, last but not least on his list, President Trump. So, you know, it's not all bad. <laughs> Some things were better uh, back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so there's a lot, a lot, uh, to love about these Purdue teams just going in there and, and winning at assembly hall. I mean, there's, there's really no win sweeter as a Purdue fan and as a Purdue player. I mean, there's just been a bunch of great games played there. Just some heartbreakers, uh, Chad Austin hitting a, hitting a great winner over there. Uh, I mean, the, the games just, no matter how good IU is or how good Purdue is, it seems like they're, they're always going to be a fight when we go to Assembly Hall. And, and I don't really expect this one to be much different. I'd love to be wrong. But, uh, Casey, I know you are not very high on this IU team, no. specifically their star, Trace yeah. Jackson Davis. Uh, tell me why I should not be worried. I mean, if you're looking up into a night sky, like, even a little bit of light's going to carry. It's like, you can call that was very star. poetic. That you, was beautiful. You can call a star if you want to, but... It just be a tiny blip in the cosmos that no one's ever gonna think about again. <sighs> he sucks. I hate him. <laughs> I was I was like I was waiting for the announcements. I was like, all right, now he's gonna tell me about Trace Jackson Davis, and then, but then just nothing came. So nah. it's so it's 
it's year what four is he no he's a sophomore he's only been around here two years God, he's been way yeah, more annoying like, than that yeah well because there there was a lot of talk that he was going to be one and done and he was like oh well you know he's so good and it was just they were so thrilled to have him come back like he's good he is athletic he plays hard he knows how to do the things he's good at if he were on a really good team he would be the third best player he's right not, i remember we, i remember we talked about yeah. this around chris time because he's not he still can't shoot uh he's not a facilitator um the one thing he does well he doesn't turn the ball over but you don't turn the ball over when you shoot every time you have it <laughs> right yeah he's a good rebounder he's not great uh 21% defensive rebounding rate, 9.2 offensive. Those are fine. Those are good. Um, he shoots the ball a lot. He finishes a lot of possessions, but mostly he's on a team that can't score. So they rely on him to do a lot of heavy lifting, which is why, you know, they beat Nebraska by six or it. I mean, he is the reason why they had the 74th best offense in the country. It'd be worse without him, but. The ceiling on this team offensively is so low. And he is, everything he does look, looks good on a highlight. But right, he's, right. He's just not what you build a, like, this is not a contending team. They are not a particularly scary team because they haven't really surrounded him with the kind of players that you would want. Um, I, they are very limited around him. Uh, Cop and Stewart are both good shooters, and that's all they do. Uh their assist rates are below 10 each and they play guard wing positions. That's not what you like to see. They, their best players are all just really one note. They don't have much variety. They don't have much. If, if you take them out of what they do, they don't have much to answer. And Purdue for once comes in, you know, we have a team full of guys that can do a lot of different things. And I don't, it'll be interesting. This seems like a game to me where first will be important. Okay, why sense. is that? Why? His body and everything, his his height and speed, that makes sense to me to guard Jackson Davis. Okay. I don't think he'll shut him down, but Gillis is on the smaller side. And, you know, he's not the best at staying in contact with his player. First seems like a guy that run him out there for 15 minutes, use all five fouls. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just make Trace Jackson's Davis's life hard while he's on the floor. Box yeah, I mean, out the hard. Good- Contest everything. The the good thing about having two fours who I, I'm really comfortable out there with is just like we said in the last podcast, you know, going against a guy like Coburn, you got 10 fouls, you might as well use them. Right. And it's the same way when you got two fours that you can throw in there. They've got 10 fouls. They can make this guy really uncomfortable out there um, and really hopefully knock him off balance. Um, and to go back to our earlier point, um, you know, Matt Painter was hired in 2005. Uh, as the Purdue head coach. In 2005, the IU head coach was, any guess? Can you remember? Is this before uh, Weirdo Lick His Lips? <laughs> yeah, oh, much further. Much uh, before. Was it Davis? It was Mike Davis. Wow. That is correct. So uh, since Matt Painter was hired in 2005, uh, can you remember how many coaches IU has had? Since 05. Yes. Uh, I believe this is the fifth? Uh, sixth. What? However... I will, I will give you partial credit because the list includes Dan Dockich, who only was able to coach seven games as the interim head coach after Wait, they fired Kelvin Sampson. Dockich coached in my lifetime? At oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because so here's what happened. You know, they had the whole fiasco with Knight being fired in 2000 because he was a terrible piece of shit. 
uh, and was both mm-hmm. verbally and physically abusive. Mm-hmm. And if you come into my mentions and defend Bob Knight, you will be blocked, you will be muted, and I will give you the Shea Serrano treatment Bam. of tweeting a picture of Tweety me giving birds. you the finger. Tweety, uh, so birds. you can just get out with that. Uh, so he was fired, and then Mike Davis took over. Uh, he was there from 2000 to 2006, and then Samson came in, 06 to 08. Of course, he was fired because he was breaking all sorts of NCAA rules. Uh, whether you'd like those rules or not, and they aren't the same rules they anymore. Were rules. They were rules at the time. Uh, he broke a lot of them. Uh, so then he was fired in the not in the middle, but toward the end of the 08 season. So Dockich was on the staff at the time and then coached the final seven games uh, for the IU program. And then our favorite uh, prodigal son, Tom Crean, was hired and was there from 08 to 2017. And then we get the Archie Miller, my short king, uh, from 2017 to 2021. And now currently we've got Mike Woodson. And I don't think we know enough about Mike Woodson to kind of judge him yet. I do. Uh, Okay. (laughs) I mean, it just seemed like – and I know he's an IU player and, you know, everybody's like, oh, he was one of Bob Knight's favorites. He was their ninth option, right? (laughs) I, I have no idea. I have no idea. But my point is, like, someone being buddies. I'm pretty sure Jesus was going to sign up to coach the team at one point, but couldn't <laughs> well, you know, quite get the contract to work. Well, you know, that Brad Stevens wanted the job, uh, but they, you know, they just wouldn't, couldn't connect. Right. Is that that's what every IU fan will tell you? Brad Stevens really wants the IU job. Sure, it's opened four times since you know he's been a prominent name, but you know, none of the times were just right. Well, he's busy coaching in the NBA. Oh. <laughs> he oh. was and then he decided oh. to be a gm mm. yeah so uh mm. it, it did seem odd to me that the basically i mean i and i not to belittle what mike woodson has done in the nba but the guy has not been a college coach and it's a hell of a lot different in the in uh, the nba so Where he was also not very good <laughs> well there you go uh but if your main if your main reason for being hired is uh bob knight liked you and you were one of his you know guys back in the day I don't really have much respect for that hiring process. So uh, we'll see how he does in the long run. Yeah. Um, I wasn't scared. No, yeah, I, not, a, not at all. If they would have hired Chris Beard. Oh, uh, yeah, that would have been a nightmare. I would have been terrified. Yeah, because uh, Chris Beard is a killer. Yeah, specifically towards us. But Yeah. <laughs> instead, they ended up with a Mike Woodson. Yeah. I, I mean, we could pretend to care about breaking down this game, but it's rivalry. And they're a dumb team. And they're stupid. And they lost yes. to the Bayheims. There's like 14 the Bayheims on that team. I know. The whole team lost. is Bayheims. They lost. They IU has a very bad history with Syracuse. If you remember, I think back in uh, maybe 2013, they played them in the NCAA tournament. And you would have thought that it was a surprise that Syracuse played a zone. Uh, I mean, IU was just like, I don't know what to do. And then they couldn't hit anything. And but that's they just kind of got the thing, right? Out. IU hasn't been able to shoot a jump shot for... 15 years 20 years yeah it's it's wild they still can't shoot they're 34.6 percent for three 116th best shooting team in the country if you take all over that job you're in indiana there are plenty of jump shooters here right right that's basically I see them all indiana the time is jump shooters and they just can't do it i don't i don't know what's like in their head they're a good defensive team this year that's the one thing you can say they play hard they have absolutely no size yeah. they are going to get pump Edie, just got done punking the best center in the country that doesn't play for Purdue or Gonzaga. And now he gets to go up against rail thin Trace Jackson Davis, something called a Michael Durr. 
and race Thompson. Something called a Michael Durr. <laughs> I, it's going to be a long night for IU. That's my prediction. Uh, I man, I hope so. We have the uh, we have the three best players on the court, and most nights the four best. Because yeah. Sasha's better than Trace Jackson. Come into my mentions. Oh, they will. They will. They don't it's, listen it's... to this. <laughs> to me, the thing that, that blows my mind is, um, you know, as you talked about, Indiana, the state, not, you know, IU, mm-hmm. always has a lot of good basketball players. We always have good shooters. Mm-hmm. Um, always a lot of big name recruits and highly ranked recruits come out of the state of Indiana. And it's always wild to me over this last, you know, 10 year period when a big name recruit chooses IU over Purdue. Um, I get on some level that, you know, it's the, the state is pretty divided over Purdue IU versus where you grew up. And did you have a parent or a family member that went to one of the universities? Um, and that's kind of where your loyalties lie. I get it. But for these highly ranked recruits, I mean, these are They're business good. decisions. Well, They're I mean, also not good, but, but I don't blame the players for that. No. I blame, I blame the coaching at, at IU uh, because I, like if, if you take somebody, I mean, like Rob Fennessy grew mm-hmm. up in Lafayette, Ended up going to IU. He's also not that good. Well, but I think if you were to take him and put him on Purdue, He's you know, three years, no, listen, on Purdue for his entire defense. career, I think he'd be a much better player. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, there is some of that, but also they they just, I think their biggest thing is they whiff on talent. They, like, rankings is what they go for, and that's not how you build a program or a team. We yeah, see it with Painter all true. the time. Our, our roster is this good because we picked guys that weren't, you know, top 30 recruits. We got people that made sense and that are actually good at basketball and doing basketball things. Yeah. Um, IU just goes for the fancy names. Like it, their teams haven't made sense for a decade. Uh, the players don't work well together. They're not like, they're not, they're not guys. They come in with these super high pedigrees. They don't succeed after IU either. No, they're not generational guys. We've had more success in the NBA than them. In the last, uh, no. I mean, the, the only thing I would quibble with Oladipo there would, and yeah, it would be Victor Oladipo. Yeah, I mean, like, Zeller. It's not like Zeller had a stellar in NBA career, but right. Um, and I mean, as much as I wanted to hate Victor Oladipo, the dude just he was so fun to watch. Yeah, and he, and he really, got hurt. So yeah, and and I mean, he really improved over his time in college. Yeah, from a guy who you didn't have to worry about to his senior year when you were like, oh, holy shit, Oladipo's coming. Uh, we got to figure out how to stop him, and he's just had such hard luck in the NBA, yeah, injury wise. Also, that that was what that was 2013. Oh, was it really that far back? So, like, yeah, in the last five years, like, it's not like these five stars are going on. Uh, even you know, Langford is barely sometimes playing for Boston. Like, he was a high round pick, but he's not done much more than you know Carson Edwards. The only difference yeah. is he stayed on the roster. Yeah, it, it's yeah. just they have not. Gotten coaches that no talent. They don't get the best out of their talent. Uh, they don't get better. It, it, there's a lot of problems down there. And yeah, it's I don't know what it is. Is it the mystique of Indiana, the state in basketball? Or is it really those banners from four decades ago? For some reason, Indiana still has this weird echo of relevance that they haven't earned in 20 30 years no it doesn't no. make sense to me yeah it, it's almost like when you hear uh rutgers football fans talk about how you know they were the first football team and they played the first college football game and and it's like dude no one cares yeah. Nebraska no, it's fine. football <laughs> yeah i mean it that's a good good comparison and of course 
Nebraska football fans, as you uh, mentioned on the podcast last week, some of the most annoying. Uh, so it, it kind of goes well that the IU basketball fans are also right up there. Um, I remember we went uh, as a as a bunch of students when I was at Purdue. Um, we went to the Big Ten tournament. So this was when each school got a, like a block of tickets, and you like they had each 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 team had a section in the upper arena that was all students. So we went up there. And, like, grown-ass adult IU fans would come up and, like, yell at us. <laughs> and I was like, dude, you are, like, 50 okay, years don't, old. don't imply that they meant to. They got lost. Okay? <laughs> it's Directions like, are hard. Like, I'm all for, uh, you know, a rivalry and talking some shit here and there. But, like, you're telling me you decided as a grown-ass adult that the best thing for you to do would be to come out of your section, go up to where the students are, and come over and yell at them? Like, it's you, an angry you fan be base. Yeah. That is an angry stadium. That That is the number one impression you get watching the game. Everything they do, like, Mackie is loud. You call it magic because it's this energy. It's this, like, chaotic excitement. It's just pure, 100% unadulterated anger at IU. Yeah. Yeah. And that's their yeah. defining mantra as a program now. Well, I mean, it's they got that from Bob Knight. He, um, they did. I mean, he, he was an asshole. Well, I guess still is an asshole. He's still alive. Uh, I mean, just the way he carried himself transferred into the program, and they've been chasing his ghost ever since he was fired in 2000. And they've never really been back to who they want to be since then. I mean, they went to the title game in 02, I believe, um, and lost. And... Uh, How'd they treat I that could... situation? <laughs> yeah, not well. With grace and dignity, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I remember watching that game. I was still in high school, watching it at a friend's house, and I think there was maybe one other Purdue fan there. And I just remember we were both cheering so hard <laughs> for Maryland. We were like, come on, come on! And then when IU lost, we were just like celebrating, and everyone was like, oh, shut up, Purdue didn't even get it. I was like, don't care, you lost! <laughs> So, I mean, at a certain point, you got to stop talking about those banners and you got to show me what you're doing now. And uh, what they're doing now is not making the NCAA tournament. So I'll take Purdue over IU any day. Cheers to that, my man. Cheers so, to that. We're going to win by 12. Ooh, I love it. Let's let's just end it there. That's perfect. Uh, so this was fun. Uh, I hope you enjoyed our Tales of the Cactus, uh, reliving the great double overtime <laughs> victory. And then, of course, always uh, shitting on IU. Uh, feel free to let us know uh, if you have a great story about IU sucking or their fans being mm. terrible. We no, would love to have we, Yeah, there is an endless supply, <laughs> so we'd love to have them. Let us know. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll chat with you next week. Later, out.